Welcome to our online Easter celebration from Christchurch, Selly Park. It's wonderful that you have been able to join us to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Three days ago, we reflected on the death of Jesus on the cross, remembered the cry of Jesus as he died. We are fortunate that we have the Gospels and know that Jesus' death did not mean the end. But what must it have been like for his disciples and for those around at the time? The women who came to the tomb on that first Sunday morning were not expecting the tomb stone to be rolled away. They had come to prepare his body, which they'd not been able to do due to the Sabbath. Their initial shock at finding the tomb empty soon turned to joy and celebration as they met with the risen Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that you too will meet with Jesus in a very real way, that you will know the power of the risen Jesus. A prayer. Lord of all life and power, who through the mighty resurrection of your son overcame the old order of sin and death to make all things new in him. Grant that we, being dead to sin and alive to you in Jesus Christ, may reign with him in glory, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be praise and honour, glory and might, now and in all eternity. Amen. In a moment, John is going to bring our reading and Bobby will then be bringing us her thoughts about the true significance of the resurrection. Our Bible reading is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, the first eight verses. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wonder... What do you think is the most important thing you need to know regarding God? I suspect that many of us would answer that the most important thing is to know that God loves us, that God loves me and you personally. Others, I suppose, might answer that the most important thing is that we must be good and follow God's rules for living. What do you think? 
Earlier, we heard John read a little bit of a letter that was written to the church in Corinth. According to the author Paul, it is the events that we remember this Easter weekend that are the things that are of first importance. That Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day and that he was seen by many. So yes, it is important that we know in the very depth of our being that God loves us. But it is the gospel truth, the good news that Christ died for us, that confirms that love in the most unbelievable way. A love so amazing it requires faith to believe. Sometimes, just sometimes, a member of my family might say, I love you. And I reply, love you too. In my head, I'm thinking, do you really love me? Would you do what you've just done if you really loved me? Obviously, I'm not so keen to dwell on the fact that often my actions don't demonstrate the love that I profess either. If God didn't love us, would Jesus have willingly died for us? If we weren't loved, would the Father have chosen to send him? God's actions confirm the words, I love you. Now maybe you're thinking, I know God loves other people, but they're nicer or holier or more useful than me. That God doesn't love me as much as other people is probably one of Satan's favourite lies. The truth is that God knows every single one of us through and through and loves everyone that he has created. But it's also true that the fact that everyone he has created has let him down. In another letter, Paul writes, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin separates every single one of us from the God who loves us. Hence the good news. We heard Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised on the third day and appeared several times to different people. Let's consider these statements. Christ died for our sins. There's a lot of historical evidence, even outside of the scriptures, that Jesus lived and died. But Paul is keen to tell us here that this death was not God's plan gone wrong, but part of the fulfilment of the scriptures. Paul doesn't say specifically, but perhaps he has Isaiah chapter 53 in mind. Verse 5, for example. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Just one of several verses that point to the plan for salvation that God had in mind. That Christ was buried confirms his death, definitely dead, not resuscitated, definitely resurrected. So on the third day he was raised from the dead an event predicted by Jesus himself in Mark's Gospel. In chapter 8, 31, we read, 
He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. When Jesus rose from the dead, he confirmed his identity as the Son of God and he completed his work of defeating death and opening the door to eternal life for all who believe. So without resurrection from the dead, the gospel is not good news, since sinners, since we, would not be saved. Without resurrection, the Christian faith serves no purpose. Salvation is not something that takes place apart from resurrection. Later in the chapter that we heard, Paul emphasises this point quite strongly. He goes on to say, If Christ is not raised, then the dead aren't raised. And again, if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Certainly, in Paul's mind, without the resurrection of Jesus, we might as well all pack up and go home. So let's think about being saved, or or this word salvation, for a little while. Paul began the passage, we heard, saying, I want to remind you of the gospel, the good news that I preach to you. And then he goes on to say, by this gospel, that is this good news, you are saved. Salvation doesn't mean deliverance from suffering. It doesn't promise material prosperity, worldly success or perfect health. So what three quick thoughts about what it is. Salvation is deliverance from sin and its eternal consequences, not necessarily its worldly consequences. Salvation is deliverance from guilt, from death, from fear and from bondage. Salvation through the death and resurrection of Christ is sufficient. To come back to my original question about what is important, seeking to live our lives according to God's ways is important, but it's a response to salvation, not a means of salvation. We live to please God because he loves us and we, no matter how inadequately, love him. If we're trying to earn God's favour by our good works, if we live to please God so that he will look favourably on us, then we are saying that Jesus' death and resurrection, his sacrifice, is not enough and we've got to make up for it. We've got to add to it. Let me tell you, Jesus did enough to make us right with God. Our job is to accept that free gift. And thirdly, salvation is being born afresh into a new life in Christ. Here are just a few benefits of salvation taken from John's Gospel. Salvation offers adoption as a child of God. John 1, 12. 
It means we can know God, John 17, 3. It means we possess eternal life, John 3.15. Salvation means we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, John 14.26. And it means that we can know that we are truly loved, John 15.9. And there is lots more in there too. So Christ died for our sins, was buried and was raised on the third day. And then he appeared several times to many people. The sightings confirm the resurrection. There are many things that could be drawn from the appearances, which there isn't time to explore too deeply today. We can say that he appeared first to women, giving value to an often undervalued group. He appeared to one who doubted, and he appeared to one who had persecuted the followers of Jesus. So there's hope for us all. So as Paul sort of began the chapter, my sisters and brothers, this Easter, I wanted to remind you of the gospel that was told to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. I hope you've been encouraged. But there is a challenge hinted at in this passage too. Paul writes, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ's death and resurrection are of first importance, but so too is the passing on, I would argue. So maybe this Easter we could thank God for the good news of the gospel. We could thank God for the means by which we heard it. Maybe we could pray that the Holy Spirit the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, might help us in passing on the good news to others. Amen. Let us pray. This Easter Sunday, we praise you, Lord, for the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may know anew the resurrection hope to which you've called us, and the resurrection power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you thanks for our brothers and sisters across the world who will at different times today be celebrating this resurrection with us. Thank you particularly for those church communities on other continents that we have been privileged to get to know over the years. We pray for the Anglican Church in Bolivia, Bless and strengthen each Anglican Church Fellowship as they seek to serve and bring the Gospel to the handful of communities in which they find themselves across Bolivia. Protect them as they seek to minister in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, particularly in a country with poor access to healthcare for ordinary people. Give them the resources they need to continue their work. Strengthen those who lead the Church Fellowships in the cities across the country. We pray too for our friends in the AIC Church in Western Kenya. We ask that you would guide them as they elect a new leader over the coming months. Raise up godly leaders to strengthen your church in Vahiga County. Give the AIC Church fellowships a fresh understanding of the gospel and may they be a blessing to the communities in which you've placed them. 
Father, we pray that these churches in both countries share in your resurrection joy today. We pray for our own country. We pray for wisdom for our leaders as they seek to run this country in the face of the pandemic, climate change, and especially at this time of heightened awareness of long-standing issues of racism and sexism. May they seek justice, peace, and work for the common good. Father, we pray too for your church in this country in its many guises. Mould us, Lord, in this time of need into a people who can bring hope in the face of our current national challenges. We thank you for our fellowship here at Christ Church. Thank you for your continued goodness to us. Thank you especially for the news that the candidate vicar and his wife have finally been invited to join Christ Church and have accepted the invitation. Give grace to them in this time of waiting and change. Prepare their hearts, and indeed our hearts, ready for the time when they move to Sally Park. Father, we lift before you our brothers and sisters who are struggling both physically and mentally in this time when there are so many restrictions on what we can do. Give them strength and peace and perseverance through their difficulties and may they know your healing hand upon them. And finally, transform us all as a congregation, we pray. May we have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. That brings us to the end of our reflection for this Easter day. Let's just finish with a prayer. God the Father, by whose love Christ was raised from the dead, open to us who believe the gates of everlasting life. God the Son, who in bursting from the grave has won a glorious victory, give us the joy as we share the Easter faith. And God the Holy Spirit, who filled the disciples with the life of the risen Lord, empower us and fill us with Christ's peace. Amen. He is not here. He is risen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. In the name of Christ. Amen.